0: My wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're looking at the Bible and religious cults and the big question for today Why are charismatic leaders of cults so successful? Today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia Welcome back David G'day Gary, how are you? Welcome uh, our listeners it It is wonderful to be back again, isn't it a fantastic day outside today?
1: it's uh, this is a nice place to be in this room but outside is incredible
0: oh yeah it's one of those days where you, I was walking out this morning once again at uh, uh, around around six o'clock this morning and I'm thinking wow it's a little bit of a nip in the air but uh, this is really lining up to be a fantastic day and I, I sort of looked out there and I sort of thought wow don't I wish I could be sitting down at the beach down there at Glenelg today I wonder if uh, I wonder if my boss had noticed if I didn't turn up to, I'd be uh, to sitting here by
1: myself no oh. my daughter last day of school today in primary school and she went off with a big water pistol they've got a water fight so good weather for that
0: <laughs> well we used to put tomato sauce in hell water pistol so yeah. Um, yeah tell me David have you started doing any planning for the new year yet
1: Yes, I have. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: How's it going? <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's interesting planning in a, in a COVID environment. We're hoping um, in South Australia that restrictions, uh, density requirements with COVID will be reduced uh, next week. We're hoping. Right. Yep, yep. Uh, but look, next year we are planning. Um, we've got some exciting things happening in February. We've got a, a face-to-face regional in Adelaide. Uh, We'd love to have our listeners attend that. That's the 20th. of February. uh, February, 20th of February. And um, we've got a number of speakers coming from interstate for that. And then we'll have some uh, professional development for our ministers for three days. And uh, programs at night for the community, so um, and for our church members as well. So we've got some some yeah really good things planned, I believe, next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Look, it really is. I mean, I've just been spending some time planning next year, and uh, one of the things I've certainly been planning is the uh, our big questions program for next year, because we do actually want to uh, start the uh, uh, start back next year by looking at some some new questions. We'll be looking at some of the old questions, but looking at them again. But one of the things we'd love to be able to to receive receive are some questions uh, from our listeners you know if there's any of our listeners out there that uh, have got a big question that you'd like to hear a program on please feel free to text uh, that question in uh, to our mobile phone here that's 0438 06635 that's 0438 066635 just tell us you don't have to even tell us your name just and give us the question that you'd like us to address big questions important questions maybe to the christian faith uh, maybe to, uh, to to particular parts of the uh, of the christian faith i believe that you'll greatly appreciate we're happy to do we're preparing programs for next year on so many big questions right now we'd love uh, to hear uh, from you uh, let's come to our religious news segment and since we're coming up to christmas uh, we're looking at some of the positive uh, news headlines and you know there's some really uh, positive things that are out there at the present time. I, uh, I came across a, uh, an article entitled uh, uh, Americans are Most Thankful For, uh, what are Americans most thankful for uh, this Thanksgiving? Now of course uh, Thanksgiving is a, is a uniquely American experience but what I'm so conscious of is that so many uh, Americanisms seem to come across here Uh, To to Oz, Um, I know that uh, Halloween seems to have come across here. Um, It's something that I wish hadn't come over here. Uh, But you know, this is a it's it's a real real problem. I I I suggest. But hey, look at the thing that I I look at and I sort of say, hey, maybe this is something that might be worth. Uh, bringing into Oz, not in the same way, obviously, as happens over in America, but this concept of saying thank you, thanks, you know. To 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 God, thanks to family, and a survey was just actually taken uh, around the time of the American Thanksgiving, with the question being asked, "What are you most thankful for?" And uh, people could uh, uh, could uh, could tick as many or as few boxes as they wanted to, and uh, uh, the responses to me, I thought, were incredibly insightful. What are you most thankful for? Eighty-four uh, percent of people said family as number 1. In fact, that was the top ranked uh top ranked uh, um response. Uh, straight after that, their health was just under a family, friends, memories, personal freedom. That actually took up the first 5. The thing that really stood out to me David was that uh, the very on the very bottom, only 21% of people said wealth now, to me, I found that absolutely intriguing. You know, what are you thankful for? Only 21% said wealth.
1: It's surprising, isn't it?
0: Oh, it is. And yet 84% said that they were thankful for family. I, in, in reading this particular article, this is uh, this is what I, I picked up. According to the survey from Nashville-based Lifeway Research, more than four in five Americans, that's 84%, say they are thankful for their family. Sizable majorities also note being thankful for health, for friends and for memories. Around half point to personal freedom. In a year, The article continues, that has been difficult for most people. Most people still express a lot of thanks, said Scott McConnell, Executive Director of LifeWay Research. This year of loss and division does not mean people have an absence of good things with which to be grateful. Now, you know, to me, what do you think on that, uh, David? We've had a tough year, and yet... His comment is most people still have things that they can be thankful for. How would you respond to that?
1: I think what COVID has done, it's really stripped things down for us, hasn't it? It's, it has, It's yeah. pulled away the veneers yeah. and we're left with the necessities. And I think what this report shows us, Gary, family, health, friends, memories, it's all about relationships. It is. It is. Whereas wealth and achievements, per se, they don't build that. It's true. So, very surprising in some ways, but in the other way, it strips things down to what is essentially important and essentially critical.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it's so important, I know, to uh, certainly individuals here in Australia. I mean, this concept in Australia, the thing I love in Australia is this concept of mateship. I, I, I grew up with this particular concept, but, you know, I think we're losing it just a little bit, but, you know, I love that concept of mateship. Do you think it really defines us a little bit? It does, certainly, as a country,
1: and maybe that has um, waned somewhat lately, I would say suggest.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the article actually continued, "Uh, compared to other Americans, those with evangelical beliefs, now this was something that really jumped out at me, those with evangelical beliefs are more likely to say they're thankful for family, for health and personal freedoms. I, I found that these are people who have got a religious belief and when tested they're saying, hey, we are more thankful. That's what appeared to come out than those who didn't come from it with a religious perspective. This year, uh, on our final page, both family and friends saw 11 point jumps um, as far as being thankful to family and friends was concerned. So, on the previous, compared with the previous survey, there was a huge a, increase. A huge net increase. You know, that really says in a time of difficulty, the money is, you know, it's just a sideline in many ways. It doesn't rate. It doesn't rate.
1: And just listening to this, Gary, and and reading this article, uh, in Australia we know with COVID that, um, yeah, there's been lockdowns and people have been uh, in some cities in the houses for for months at a time. We know that there's been an increase in, in some place of domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah. Other places, you know, emotional well-being is, is really stretched. But what this is saying in America, and, and it's true here, I think ultimately we all want, we want good relationships. We want family.
0: Yeah, yeah. And certainly when you come to the end of your life, you know, David, and the amount of money you don't actually just, you know, when you're on your deathbed, the thing that you're most unlikely to do is to check your bank balance. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) The article actually does continue. Amongst self-identified, and I'd be interested in your feedback on these. amongst self-identified Christians, those who attend worship services uh, weekly are most likely to express thanksgiving towards God at this time of the year. And the number was actually 94%. And then the last couple of paragraphs, younger Americans are more likely to say that they are thankful to themselves than older Americans. I find that an interesting dynamic. Uh,
1: What's happening? For me, Gary, when God doesn't form a central core and basis of your life of foundation, then what's your purpose for existence itself? Those that – the 94% that uh, self-identified Christians who attend worship services weekly, um, that – tend to give thanks towards God. Why do we go to church? Why do we worship? We're acknowledging a higher power. We're acknowledging that God is our creator. He's our Mm. redeemer. Mm. uh, The sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. So we go to worship something bigger, greater, and better than ourselves. It's an acknowledgement that God is there for us to sustain us. He gives us everything. Mm. So this does not surprise me.
0: Okay, okay. Tell me, do you think that a person can become intentionally Thankful because I'm so conscious that we're actually living in a society that's got huge negativity that's almost imposed upon us. You know, the weekly, the nightly news bulletin tends to come from a really negative perspective. Is it possible, do you think, to decide that, hey, I'm going to be um, intentionally thankful?
1: We need more of that in our society. One of the things that we regularly do in our family worship of an evening, my wife and our two children, we begin by um, stating something we're thankful for for that day. Yeah. Um, Because it's so easy, um, and I speak about my own experience, if I'm cut off as a driver, I'm not going to be too thankful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: so easy in our culture to feel that we've been ripped off and robbed and harshly treated. And I've been this, done. I've been done. That's uh, it. And there's truth to that sometimes. Yeah. But we need to have a continually f- positive focus.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really enjoy doing when I'm in the car, uh, I actually uh, I, I love to have uh, – Christian and fairly conservative Christian music actually playing in my car. I actually really love that. It's the only place. Do you sing? I do, actually. I do. I actually sing, when I, but I've always got to be alone. You know, if with anybody else, I won't do it. Uh, but, you know, I really enjoy doing that because what I find is that it, there, there is something about um, the, the experience of worship, because that's what, what you're actually doing. Absolutely. Um, there's something about the experience of worship that actually also makes you thankful.
1: And I've discovered, and I've said this to our children, is that I cannot be sad when I'm singing.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: And particularly if they're like religious
0: songs. I can't be sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, It's a wonderful thing. Hey guys, look, it's, uh, it's Christmas time. Christmas time is certainly coming up. You know, I'd love to think that maybe some of our listeners might like to take a commitment and say, hey, look, I'm going to be a thankful and Positive this particular Christmas. Attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. You know, I in fact at one time I well remember we uh, I actually challenged one of my churches on one occasion and uh, I said to them I said look is it possible even those of you who are in of senior years and uh, because I I was actually talking to a group at that particular time that were uh, we were meeting midweek for uh, for for prayer for for prayer meeting and most of them were all long uh, retired and you know obviously they can't do what they used to be able to. And I just said to them, I said, "Look, hey you guys, is it possible for you to be able to write um, just a card of um, you know encouragement to maybe a family or a friend or somebody just once a week?" and they actually took this on as a little bit of a a little bit of a project and every time we actually gathered together we actually had some um uh, people who actually well we had one of our, our ladies who actually made cards and every week we'd bring three cards along or she'd bring three cards along and we'd pick three people and we, the aim was simply to write an encouraging word uh, to uh, those three people it was amazing. It was a real blessing. So
1: joy comes through worship. Joy comes through service. Yeah. And in my own yeah. life, uh, I've had an incredible witness. My late father. He was. He had health challenges. He died just before eighty-four. But I never ever saw him uh, negative. Yeah. Tough life, but always positive. Always cheerful. Always thinking of others. And when we focus on ourselves, yeah. then we'll look at our problems, and they'll grow bigger and bigger and bigger.
0: Yeah, yeah No, David, thank you so much for that Guys, look, let's come to, uh, to some music uh, I love it and, and I'm starting to show my age a little bit here But this is Johnny Cash uh, And uh, he's, uh, he's sharing uh, There was a man I, I really appreciate uh, the words Of, uh, of what Johnny is, uh, is sharing here
2: Here was a man A man who was born in a small village, the son of a peasant woman. He grew up in another small village. Until he reached the age of 30, he worked as a carpenter. Then for three years, he was a traveling minister. But he never traveled more than 200 miles from where he was born. And where he did go, he usually walked. He never held political office. He never wrote a book, never bought a home, never had a family. He never went to college, and he never set foot inside a big city. Yes, here was a man, though he never did one of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except through the divine purpose that brought him to this world. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. Most of his friends ran away. One of them denied him. One of them betrayed him and turned him over to his enemies. Then he went through the mockery of a trial and was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And even while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he had in this world, and that was his robe, his purple robe. when he was dead, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a borrowed grave provided by compassionate friends. More than 19 centuries have come and gone, and today he's a centerpiece of the human race, our leader in the column to human destiny. I think I'm well within the mark when I say that all of the armies that ever marched, all of the navies that ever sailed the seas, All of the legislative bodies that ever sat and all of the kings that ever reigned, all of them put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth so powerfully as that one solitary life. Here was a man.
0: Johnny Cash he was a man what a, what a wonderful thoughts um Johnny actually shares with us it's um our gift to you today. We ha- we do have a gift for you today and the gift is Live More Happy. Now, it's coming up to Christmas time, so we're wanting to share something with you that has the potential to really change your life. Uh this book Live More Happy is written by Dr. Darren Morton and he is uh, uh he is a uh professor, I think I think it's physiology or uh uh physical science, but he is greatly appreciated uh in this whole in this Hold it area of exercise physiology. Live More Happy, you'll love this particular book if you'd like Live More Happy, uh, just text through uh, to our studio phone here, that's 0438 635. Uh, just give us uh, the name of the book, Live More Happy with your name and your address and we'll have that to you by the quickest possible uh, possible means. That number again is 0438 635 and folks, if you've got, remember, if you've got any questions that you would like to be at, have added to our programming for next year, don't be afraid to text us big questions that you'd like to see addressed. We'd love to, uh, uh, to address some of your questions or, or make comments. That number again is 0438 066 635. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary today, our co Host is Pastor David Butcher And David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church Here in South Oz Uh, This week we're looking at the Bible And religious cults And the big question for today Is why are charismatic leaders So successful? You know I, I love watching some of the research That's been done into robots And people's willingness to follow Even robots. Uh, An article uh, came across my desk entitled, uh, People Blindly Follow Their Robot Leaders. And it was actually talking about IT and robots. And this is what it said. The fire alarm goes off and apparently it's not a mistake or a drill. Just outside the door, smoke fills the hallway. Luckily, you happen to have a guide for such a situation. A little robot with a sign that literally reads, Emergency Guide Robot. But wait, it's taking you in the opposite direction of that which you came in. It seems to be wanting you to go down an unfamiliar hallway. Do you trust your own instinct and escape the way you came out, or do you trust the robot? Probably. You will blindly follow the robot, according to the findings of a fascinating new study from the Georgia Institute of Technology. In an emergency situation, a fake one, though the test subjects didn't know that, most people trusted the robot over their own instincts, even when the robot had been showed earlier to be showing signs of malfunctioning. Uh, it's a new wrinkle for researchers who study trust in human robot interactions previously this work had been focused on getting people to trust robotics uh, such as google's driverless cars now this new research uh, hints now this research hints at another problem how do you stop people from trusting robots too much it's a timely question especially considering the news this week that the first crash caused by one of Google's self-driving cars. Even a clearly malfunctioning robot seems worthy of following. In other words, the researchers believe it might be as simple as the fact that the robot brandished the sign Emergency Guide Robot, which gave it a guise of authority. Maybe... It knew something that they didn't. And in a stressful situation, that might be enough to nudge the participants into making the split-second decision of following the bot. Many of us have likely already been in a situation in which we mindlessly follow a device's instructions over our own instincts. To me, when I follow Google's Maps instructions... Even when it takes me on some weird, unfamiliar route, it's happened. I've seen it happen in my life. It's Michael Scott of The Office obeying his GPS when it tells him to drive into the lake. As long as a robot can communicate its intentions in some way, people will probably trust it in most situations. Paul Robinette, grad student at Georgia Tech, uh, who led the study, told new scientists Do you know one of the things i'm really conscious of here dave david is that this really raises questions of leadership generally Do you know it's it's really interesting here to me that in this particular uh, case we had people uh, quite happy uh, to follow even a robot in a study, in an almost unthinking way, simply because the robot had listed on it uh, this sign, emergency evacuation uh, robot. It's like lemmings, isn't it? It's, it's almost like, like lemmings. But, you know, I'm so conscious that, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking, we're talking today about uh, this whole subject of religious cults. And we're asking... Why are charismatic leaders so successful? Why is it that people actually follow these charismatic leaders almost without thinking? And yet I'm conscious that they're actually prepared to do the same thing with robots. I mean, help us
1: out. This is disturbing, isn't it? I believe in general people today, and it's a generalisation, We don't think and process things like we used to. We get so many things thrown at us, flashing at us. We have to make decisions on the spot. Uh, We don't do the sorts of things we used to. People used to be able to create and make and do all sorts of things. Now we just buy. And so thinking and processes are removed from us. They're foreign to us. So we'll readily accept someone that comes in, like a robot that has a sign on it, uh, like a leader, that is very charismatic that is persuasive they will answer our problems they will meet our needs and and i believe there are a number of key charismatic uh, sorry key qualities of charismatic
0: leaders that can be really dangerous when it comes to cults and and this is what causes people often to actually get involved in cults because there is a powerful, strong, charismatic type, type leader there that attracts people. You know, these are often people who, they're not uh, people that, you know, I've come to trust them.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just reflecting on a country leader for a a nation, you wouldn't want someone that's insipid, uh, someone that doesn't engender confidence. So when it comes to, say, religious cults, you are not looking uh, – people are attracted to someone with uh, authority, with confidence, that know where they're headed, with certainty, and Mm, we're increasingly mm. living in an uncertain world. So people that are attracted to these strong, charismatic leaders are often in vulnerable situations And they're even sought out by these leaders. So maybe there's a couple of charis- characteristics we can look at, Yeah, there. yeah, please,
0: please, let's, let's look at these.
1: Yeah, look, I, I believe that maybe one of the first things is that, um, first and foremost, probably every cult leader is a narcissist.
0: Okay, just open that up a little bit for yeah, us. Yeah,
1: so a narcissist... In my opinion Can't really see beyond themselves They're in yeah. love with themselves They think they're the best at everything um, They deserve everything They're absorbed in themselves mm-hmm. a- And a strong charismatic cultish leader That's almost a given Okay. According to the sociologists and the psychologists yeah, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, They have to be narcissists And they generally exhibit so- sociopathic and abusive characteristics as uh-huh. well uh, so that they think different, they operate different.
0: And yesterday, David, we were actually talking about uh, the experience I actually had. Uh, well, were friends of a friend who uh, actually were were part of the uh, uh, the Waco um, yes. group over in uh, over in Texas. And of course, the thing about the Waco cult was that there was actually a very strong religious, I think David Koresh was That's the uh, was the major uh, leader there. And he had a, a charismatic, attractive type personality that certainly initially uh, didn't broke down so many barriers. People are drawn to that. And yeah. Look, I went to school with
1: a girl that um, was two years above me, a really talented young lady, and she got caught up in that and died in that, in the yeah, Waco yeah. Uh, cult situation with David Koresh. So Narcissists—they're uh-huh. in love with themselves. They're full of themselves. Uh-huh. They're God's best gift to everything, and uh-huh. they're the best at everything. That—that um, that draws some people to themselves. Uh-huh. Now, often that is hidden. Um, uh, you know, hidden in 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 the charisma. Basically, there is a power imbalance. You have uh-huh. this powerful leader, often with vulnerable people, uh-huh. and charismatic leaders also tend to be intuitive. Yeah. in other words they know how to read people
0: yeah. yeah
1: they can see they observe they know the signs and they can see people that are susceptible yeah that are vulnerable and they take advantage of that because as a narcissist they're only in it for themselves yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. about themselves. And,
0: and and the problem is David is that you may not recognize some of these some of these issues until you're a long way down the road. Uh, you know, I mean initially they can come across almost as a uh, you know as, as being he's one of us, you know, he knows where he's going, he's got certain indirection. He may even be you know appear to be scripturally focused. Absolutely.
1: And so often that is something that attracts people. You know, we're living in an age of, of uh, uncertainty. The scriptures yeah. provide a yeah. certainty. So yeah. someone will be ready to speak out the truth or what they perceive to be the truth. So often these uh, religious charismatic leaders are... False prophets, false teachers, yeah, yeah. and obviously the Bible says a lot about that. Jesus in Matthew twenty-four tells people to be aware of false teachers and false prophets numerous times. Mm. Um, they're wolves yeah. in sheep's
0: clothing, and that's actually a really good analogy, isn't it? Because you know, the more I'm, uh, I, I'm just so conscious that uh, we certainly live in a religious world now where I'm sensing more and more. But that is in fact uh, uh, the probably the best analogy that anybody could use and that's even in mainstream Chris- Christianity yes, not just yes yes cults.
1: yes yes so Jesus in Matthew 7 beware of false prophets verses 15 to 19 who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravenous wolves you will know them by their fruits do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles even so every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So Jesus is telling his followers, beware of deception, Mm. beware Mm. of false prophets, Mm. false teachers. Mm. So the Bible is abused, it's twisted. Um, They twist the scriptures for their personal gain. Mm -hmm. And often it's to justify or to cover over their own scandals that are existing. Yeah. Uh, the Apostle Peter says in Second Peter two verse three, he says, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So they will twist scriptures to suit themselves yeah, and yeah. their own agendas. And this uh,
0: isn't this isn't a new innovation, isn't it? It's something that the that the Christian church has actually had to deal with uh, right down uh, since its original Inception. Absolutely. And, you know, to me, as I look at that, I say, hey, you know, this is so important that today we don't just assume that because a person is able to quote a few passages of Scripture, that they are, in fact, from God, even if they come across as a, uh, you know, as a, a dynamic, um, acceptable person.
1: Well, and and immediately my mind goes to Acts seventeen, where mm. Paul affirms the Berean Christians; they're more noble because they went back and studied the Word of God for themselves, not just readily swallowing and accepting uh, what had been taught or what had I been preached. I love that actually. I love heard. that
0: story. In fact, I was going to come to it a little bit later, cool. but uh, you know, one of the things that I, you know, what Paul is encouraging there is for Christians to actually be thinkers. And the story you used of the
1: robot is the complete
0: opposite, correct? Exactly,
1: exactly. So we're living in an age where people don't really think like they yeah, used to. They yeah. don't have to because so many things are done for them.
0: And uh, certainly, when you look at you know things like, for example, Facebook, you know, people tend to you know they get through their feed, they get a huge amount of information on on Facebook. Uh, media certainly feeds in huge amounts of information, but it is essentially untested information. Is it true, false, or otherwise? You know? and
1: we live in a world of fake news, and we live we? in an
0: I mean, and we know that, but we still accept we it. Still you can't. know, I, I look at this and I say, "Hey, no!" In, in fact, one of the things, one of one of my frustrations is being able to to test uh, and check whether information that I am given is actually correct. And uh, this is one of the things I find in my in my church. People say, "Have you heard?" And I say, "Hey, look, you know, have you checked it?" And uh, unfortunately, if you haven't checked it. You shouldn't be sharing it. So people don't want to dig deep. People
1: do not want to dig deep. Except things that face Exactly, exactly. So they're narcissists. They twist the scriptures for their own personal gain. Uh, There is a superficial charm and charisma, like you said, that seems very attractive at first, uh, and often they suck these people in, Mm -hmm. uh, and only later do people really find out the true extent of what these charismatic leaders are like. Um, They use... um, their unpredictable nature to create um, a sense of control. In other words, a charismatic cultish leader might walk into a room and at one occasion might be full of affirmation. The next minute, to their to their followers, could be the complete opposite. And so the yeah. follower is never sure where they stand. And it's all about uh, it's about mind control. It's about authoritarianism. It's about um, the the members of that cult being completely submissive to the will of this authoritarian dictator, yeah. if you like, their masters.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no that's that's really David look I'm just wondering let's have a let's have a little bit of break at that particular point because what I'd like to do is when we come back I just really like us to look at you know what does you know what does a, a Christian leader you know maybe you know one who is following the example of Christ what does that type of leader you know what do they look like? But uh, let's come to some music first And then we'll come back and look at, uh, look at that particular question uh, Please enjoy Anthem Lights This is the Invitation Medley And uh, uh, it, uh, it, it's a compilation of three or four songs uh, Please enjoy
2: Turn your
1: eyes upon Jesus Look for in his wonderful face
0: In the light of His glory and grace oh, To Jesus I surrender all. To Him I freely
1: give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence Girl
0: that was Anthem Lights, the Invitation Medley. Uh, we have a wonderful little gift for you coming up for the Christmas season. Uh, love, uh, um, Dr. Darren Morton's written a book, uh, Live More Happy. Uh, you'll love this particular book. If you really want to set, a, a, some fantastic New Year's resolutions in place, uh, this book will, uh, will give you some ideas that, uh, that you won't regret. Live More Happy. If you'd like to live more happy, just, uh, uh, text, uh, Live More Happy with your name and your address, uh, to 0438 Zero double six six three five. that's 0438 066635 and if you've got any questions that you'd like us to add into our program next year big questions that perhaps have concerned you please send to that same number uh, your big questions and we'll prepare, uh, we're preparing our programs for next year uh, right now we'd love to include uh, your questions so that number again is 0438 You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, This week we're looking at the Bible and religious cults and the big question for today, uh, why are charismatic leaders so successful? David, you've taken two or three points there uh, and shown us why they are so successful I think you've, you've got two or three more and then we're going to move on looking at what is a, what is a, a godly leader really look like?
1: Absolutely Gary because we need to really highlight that yes, don't we? Yes, yes, yes. Look a couple of other uh, characteristics of uh, cultish charismatic leaders. Often they are pathological liars. They're skillful at lying, they're deception uh, they use deception as, as a key thing. Okay. Yeah. Now this is completely opposite to the Christian approach but that's what happens. And Jesus said this of the religious leaders in his day actually, the Pharisees. He said, you are of your father the devil who has been a liar from the beginning. Yeah, John eight forty four. They use authoritarian leadership style. We talked about that and they use that to control. Often they will take sexual advantage of members. Mm-hmm. They may even use that in initiations and they use that to conquer and divide. They also separate. A- and often what they will do will be to um, uh, keep those family members away from the individuals that are part of their group. They'll want to separate them. Yeah. So dividing yeah. them, they will um, lack boundaries, as we've said, um, and they'll break all sorts of boundaries. They yeah. see other people as inferior. And, you you know, David,
0: some of those things that you've mentioned are actually so incredibly hurtful. You know, I think of this issue of, you know, some organizations have used the the shunning, you know. In other words, hey, you know, if we don't fit within our particular model, we're going to shun you. You know, Christ actually talked about you are the light of the world. Mm. You know, you're the city set on a hill. You're you're the salt of the earth. You know, you're somebody special. You're to influence. And he'd actually the issue of shunning is, is something that is so rare uh and it only comes from one passage of scripture that uh, Paul was talking about a particular case within the uh within the the um uh within the church in in his particular day you know to me i'm i'm really concerned that uh, you know groups do actually move in this particular direction Absolutely,
1: and that's the danger of taking little bits out of context, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The other thing, often these cultish leaders and charismatic leaders, they view people as assets and objects. In other words, what can I gain? Yeah, yeah. Now, we flip that on its head, Gary, and uh, I guess we look at a spiritual perspective. How did Jesus uh, view human beings as objects or assets?
0: Yeah, this was uh, this. He he really gave them the the Holy Spirit, didn't he? You know, they were they were people. They were individuals. He he valued individuality.
1: Absolutely. And it didn't matter where they were at. It didn't matter what situation they yeah, were in. Yeah. So Jesus didn't view anyone as an asset or an object. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman at the well caught yeah. in adultery. How yeah. did he treat her? She would had five husbands and was living with another. Yeah. The woman caught in adultery in, in the Gospel of John. Uh, Neither do I condemn you, he yeah. says. And then he says, go and sin no more. Yeah. So Jesus didn't shun. Jesus didn't exclude. Jesus didn't treat people as objects or assets or something to take Come advantage of come job. unto
0: me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest, rest. you know I love the what Christ is actually doing here this, this constant call this constant appeal to come you know uh, he, he's drawing people even from outside the Jewish nation itself
1: and he focused on that quite a lot didn't he that's he didn't. what drew a lot of ire from the religious leaders Indeed. in his day the other thing you said come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden I will give narcissistic Charismatic leaders are only in it for themselves. Yeah, they're out to get,
0: not so, give. So we're starting to move now into the model of what Christian leadership is all about. Does actually look like?
1: Yeah. So for me, I guess the first thing is we serve a God, and the model that Jesus operated on was a God who gives. Yeah. You know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave. Yeah. We have a giving God. Yeah. Uh, and that's clearly not what happens in the opposite system. Uh, In the Gospel of Mark, we find out that um, Jesus was not self-promoting, not at all. Mm -hmm. In Mark 1 verse 11, at Jesus' baptism, uh, he comes up out of the waters and there's a voice from heaven saying, You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he came to this earth, chose to voluntarily lower himself. Uh, and um, there, at the baptism, he hears this voice from heaven: "You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." Mm. In the in the book of Philippians, chapter two, verses seven to nine, Paul talks about how Jesus didn't consider it um, robbery to be equal with God, but lowered Himself to the point of a servant, even to death on yeah, a cross. Yeah. So yeah. there is no narcissism. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. is selfless, unending immeasurable love yeah, that is yeah, poured out. Yeah. It's a completely different foundation. So Jesus was not self-promoting. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to promote the Father.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and that is that is actually really key to all that he's doing because you know even how he actually does ministry. I'm I'm conscious that you know back to that story of of David Koresh, you know the people originally, you know he was able to sell himself in a, a somewhat presentable way, but what the people didn't know was that back in in Waco he had a huge stack of weapons, uh, waiting to uh, be able to to use them against authority. Now, of course, you know nowhere in the New Testament do you actually find Christ taking up weapons against the religious leaders. Physical violence was actually totally foreign to him. And yet this is so often, as you've said, with
1: David Koresh and even others, um, it was so prevalent. Yeah, yeah. Um, You can look at Jim Jones. Yeah. Um, and okay, there was no, um, people took the poison, they drank poison, but again there is this pain, there is suffering. Jesus comes to do the very opposite, to alleviate suffering. He comes to heal. He comes to forgive. Cultish leaders often use guilt and run guilt trips on people. Uh, Jesus came to remove guilt.
0: Yeah, yeah, the complete opposite yeah, yeah. it's interesting
1: at Jesus' baptism um, and after that it says uh, Matthew 3 13 to 15 or at his baptism then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John but John tri- John tried to deter him saying I need to be baptized by you and do you- why do you come to me Jesus replied let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness mm-hmm. so Jesus humbles himself and he gets baptized by John even though John's Says, hey, look, I'm the one that should be being baptized by you. So, humility. The other thing here is that Jesus was always obedient to the Spirit, he was obedient to his Father. He says, I do nothing on my own, but only what my Father says do I do. Now, a charismatic cultish leader, who do they obey?
0: Their own desires, their don't own
1: they? Desires. Yeah. And often they will lead people away. Uh, they'll do a breakaway, or they'll start something up. Jesus came simply to be obedient and to do the will of His Father in heaven. Uh, Matthew nine thirty six. It says, when Jesus looks at the multitudes, when He looked at the multitudes, He had compassion. When He saw the multitudes He had compassion on them. Yeah. Yeah. Compassion is uh, is an emotion that um, goes beyond sympathy. Mm. Goes beyond empathy compassion Mm -hmm. is something that drives the person they feel the pain that someone else feels they feel it so intensely that they are driven to alleviate that pain in someone else
0: yeah yeah in other words what we've got here is that christ has actually got a holistic ministry you know as i as i look at what christ did what we see is that christ he didn't just uh, teach he didn't spend you know days on and sitting sitting down teaching the people but he also went out for example. Healing was part of his ministry. He actually reached out from beyond the, the, uh, the, the disciples group, beyond that, and he went to those who, uh, he had an outward-looking ministry, and uh, you know there are so so many. Uh, one author that I'm I'm so familiar with uh, said, you know, there were entire towns that Christ went through where uh, there wasn't a sick person left on their bed. And, and you know, as I look at that, I say, hey, what an incredible blessing that is. But there, Christ is looking out beyond his particular group. You know, when I become an insular group, when I am divorced from the world, uh, when I am uh, no longer involved, when I am no longer able to be salt and light to the world, I've actually got to st- start saying, hey, look, you know, am I actually doing what Jesus Christ called us to do? To go out into the world. Indeed. Whereas Indeed. cults
1: say come away from the world, yeah. only listen to us, they separate, they isolate, and they gain mind control. That's it. Jesus was the complete opposite. Uh, one of the things I like about Jesus as well, a completely different model, was servant leadership.
0: Yeah, and just he explain says, that one.
1: Yeah, look... Um, I remember um, in the Bible there, uh, James and John's mother came to Jesus saying, look, can you do us a favor, Jesus?
0: <laughs> Don't you love it? You know? Don't you know what mum does sometimes? And, and,
1: and I picture them hiding behind a skirt, so to speak. <laughs> and she says, you know, can one sit on your right hand, one in your left hand in the kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus says, hey, it's not for him to decide. And he says, uh, are you up to this boys? Are you up to this young man? And they <laughs> yeah. say they are. And he says, you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and that caused division. Yeah. And then Jesus, later on, he talks about in, in Mark ten forty five, he says this. He says, the son of man came not to be served but to serve. Yeah, yeah. And to give yeah. his life a ransom for many, we're also told. So Jesus' model of, of leadership yeah. is not self-promotion It is not self-gain. It is not worldly attainment. It is one of serving others, continual serving.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and that's something that I'm really conscious, David, that I think in the world in which we're, we're living today, we don't really know what that is. Because I'm conscious here, you know, here in Oz, uh, there is uh, there is so much uh, self-seeking. You know, I, you know, in my in my job in my work, uh, I want to be able to get one up, one ahead of the other person. You know, the promotion is actually what I what I what I want. Dog eat dog, dog eat dog type world out there, and uh, you know that is the world that we've come to live in. And in many ways, it's actually flowed across into the Christian church.
1: It has. It has. The whole consumerism, that whole culture has come straight in. And I think Jesus was also about simplicity, Mm. Um, absolute simplicity. Um, He had a vision. He had clarity. Um, He he comes in in Mark one fifteen, and he says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Something very simple. Mm. Jesus lived simply. And one of these cults um, uh, might have the name slightly wrong, but was he the Bhagwan? Uh Um, I believe he was Indian or something, um, a cult in India. And he had 93 Rolls Royces.
0: Wow. And
1: his followers on the commune, whenever he drove down, I remember watching this on 60 Minutes one day as a a young person, his followers would be throwing rose petals at the cars as he drove through the the commune. Mm -hmm. So Jesus lived a very simplistic um, uh, simple life.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that that to me is actually a real indicator. And uh, but uh, David, tell me. I mean, many people have have made the same comment about, for example, Christian churches. Yes, uh, you know, and and this is one of the real challenges because you know Christian churches themselves possibly haven't been the best example in this area, have they? A- absolutely, and in Christian
1: churches, they're often well, they have have people involved, don't they, in leadership and um. We're all human. We make mistakes. And sometimes Christianity, it's in Scripture, isn't it? You look yeah. at the Corinthian yeah. church to yeah. see how corrupt yeah. it was. So we see at times even in the Christian church some of these traits playing out definitely. yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. We see excesses. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And this is how the Protestant, one of the factors that uh, was prevalent in the Protestant Reformation when uh, – Faithful Catholic people
0: living in other countries saw the excesses that were happening in Rome, and Reformation actually had to uh, had to take place. But of course, with cults, the problem is it actually goes to a brand new level. You know, we're not not just um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 the. Errors of the Christian Church generally, but they're really they become incredibly insular. And uh, when you correctly point out, you know, ninety-one Rolls Royces, and that's a huge, that's a huge a number, massive excess. Yeah. And
1: yeah. remember, with the cults, it's all about the individual, all about yeah. themselves yeah. as a the leader.
0: You know, David, one of the things that I'm conscious of is that uh, uh, some of the TV evangelists, you know, I have to make a make comment on this because you know, I I really think that uh, some of the TV evangelists come very close to actually being Haltish in their in their behavior. You know, I think of uh, a number of TV evangelists who uh, who feel that you know they must have their own executive jet. Yes, and uh, do you know, I mean, I, I look at this and I. I mean, what's your thinking? And, and look,
1: I believe there is an element of mind control here too, uh, because I've watched some of these programs and they'll say, "Look, we've got a prayer altar here now. You just dial in. You send us your prayer for an extra mm. ten US dollars. You'll be able to get a." a, a, a It'll be put on the altar itself yeah. For an extra X number of dollars We'll send you Part of a prayer shawl Or something yeah. a- And what's it funding What's it doing So again This is about manipulation yeah. Jesus yeah. didn't manipulate In fact Jesus was like a lamb To the slaughter He was silent yeah. Yeah. Um, Gentleness Was a trait of Jesus Wasn't it
0: Wow yeah. Unless uh. he
1: was dealing With often religious leaders Who were trying to control people yeah. So he was gentle yeah, he yeah. was patient, fruit of the Spirit. Mm. He was maintained self control. Yeah, even there in front of Pilate, self control. Often he he was silent, didn't open yeah. his mouth. Yeah, um, Jesus. I think the other attribute of Jesus here, which is really powerful, is one of forgiveness. Mm. On the cross, he says, "Father, forgive them,"
0: for they know not what they're doing.
1: Now, often with um, charismatic cultish leaders. They will manipulate people. They will um, make them stand out as though they've done something terribly wrong. And then they'll forgive them on certain conditions. But again, it's manipulation. Yeah. That was never that way with Jesus, never yeah, ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that one is really key, actually. In fact, that's a that's the beautiful picture we find of Jesus, isn't that? You know, and in fact, in the in the book of Acts, you sort of find on the day of Pentecost, you know, the people cry out to Peter, oh, "Men and brethren, what shall, what we, shall do? we do?" And of course, the response is, uh, "Repent and be baptized." And uh, to me, that's a, a this is an incredibly beautiful picture uh, that takes us beyond uh, the cultish behavior uh, to that of uh, genuine Christianity. Finish off, David. Our time is running away from us.
1: Yeah, so Jesus was also a team builder you know he didn't divide James and John he saw them he called them to join him and they joined him other people gathered to Jesus Jesus pointed people to the father continually didn't he yeah. he lived a life of service as as what we'd said um Jesus dealt with crisis head on he didn't create it he dealt mm. with it and he was always there to protect the rights of the downtrodden indeed indeed always there for the, the people of the dead, people that were struggling in life and dealing with issues um We are told, Gary, in Scripture... First uh, Timothy 4 1 and 2 Now the Spirit express, expressly says That in latter times Some will depart from the faith Giving heed to deceiving spirits And doctrines of demons Speaking lies in hypocrisy Having their own conscience Seared with a hot iron mm. We know we're living in a time Where people's consciences Cannot be changed They've been mm. seared oh. and, and yet they are preaching And leading people astray yeah. So I believe Gary We need to be like The Berean Christians yeah. We need to be able To study the word of God Not simply be To stray and follow the crowd, follow the robot.
0: Um, And to replicate as far as is possible the ministry of Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, I love Paul in the book of Philippians, one of the prison epistles. He says, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You know, in other words, I believe that the Christian leader, the Christian pastor, is actually called to replicate the ministry as far as is possible the ministry of Christ so it's a completely different model often to worldly leadership it is Yes.
1: yes Jesus lowered
0: himself that's it that's it that's exactly what it is and you know this is radical material but you know I don't see it in the cults no it's the complete opposite it is it is. Totally, totally opposite. Uh, David, I'm really conscious that our, our time is uh, has, has run away from us. David, would you like to pray for people um, out there uh, that indeed, uh, if, there's, if there's anybody who's struggling on, on this particular point, um, that uh, they might uh, come to uh, understand uh, what the body of Christ really does look like?
1: Absolutely. Let's pray, Gary. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that Jesus came to set the captives free. We know with cults, Lord, people are held in bondage uh, in their mind, Lord, um, and the control that's placed over them. Jesus came to give us freedom of thought freedom to act, and that is removed with cults. We thank you, dear Lord, that Jesus has come to uh, give us a new opportunity, to give us life. He's come to free us. He's come to give us forgiveness. He's come to give us peace, all of the things that don't exist in cults. He's come to show us our incredible self-worth for him to die for me, for you, is incredible because what is our value that the creator of the universe would come and give his own life for? So, -hmm. Lord, we just want to pray for people that are struggling, people that maybe are caught up, people that don't know where to turn, that they might turn to you, pray to you, seek guidance and instruction in your word, Lord, and not be led astray. Give peace. Give the ability to leave, Lord, if people are caught up in these things. And may they see you as a loving, heavenly Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q&A. And please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray ask, Does God want believers to withdraw from society? I really look forward uh, to seeing you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God uh, richly bless you.